We reviewed the Izone application form and it asks one question. Have you ever read Chicken Little? You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by the slenderest of men, Kevin Greck. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, dude. I've, I've been rereading Chicken Little myself over here. Uh, you know, the sky is falling with how horrible that opening was. Like, truly, the, the podcast sky is falling right now. But The audience is lost. Uh, also here... Uh, a man who traversed a whiteout to join us, listener guest Alex Plum. Plum, how you doing, buddy? Eating a sandwich, feeling great. This is the kind of <laughs> podcast quality that folks have come to know and love uh, from yours truly on this side of the mic. I would have expected more given that you've got, you know, some competition this week. Um, you know, we're kind of putting you on notice a little bit. Yes, uh, which is a perfect intro for... Uh, joining us for the first time, John Kirby of The Only Podcast, who is willing to stay with us for as long as until he's realized he's made a mistake. John, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Big fans. <laughs> uh, the first lie of the evening. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And if we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore pod. My understanding is, though, that the Instagram account is pretty much dead. Uh, Greg, you seem partially responsible for that. Can you please tell the people the structure of the show? Yeah, sure. Uh, first off, we'll, you know, talk about the the corpse, the rotten corpse that is the the Instagram account. Then we'll, uh, we'll move on to the green wall, where football always leads, talk about what's going on there with that team. Then we'll talk about a, a certain something that happened at the Kohl Center uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, kind of unexpected outcome, given the trajectory of the basketball team, but we'll get into that. Uh, we'll go off Grand River. There were some happenings outside the uh, the MSU sphere of sports. We'll cover those. Then we'll preview upcoming games against uh, Illinois and uh, a team that will be mentioned off Grand River. And then, as always, <laughs> we'll... Uh, We'll take those sort of questions. All right, let's dive in. Um, John, I, like you're new to the pod here. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious if you had to give sort of uh, big picture thoughts and the way I want to frame it here is, uh, in my mind, this, the win against, oh, wait, I jumped way in the wrong spot on the pod, the outline. Holy crap. Can we cut wow. that? Or are no. we going to leave that in? All right, no. great. We're going to start with Just football. like with Chicken Little. Sitting <laughs> you're sick on that one. All right. Uh, football is up first, as is normal. Uh, the The big news is of the week, uh, Kedrick Riscano, a four-star running back out of Texas in the class of 2023, has committed to MSU. Uh, you know, he's uh, 13th best running back in the class of 2023. Gentlemen, this makes two four-stars in the class of 2023, and that's how we started things off. I'm uncomfortable. It's good. It's good. good. Yeah. John, you've been been podcasting for Michigan State for a while. Like, when's the last time there was this kind of heat to start a recruiting class? Mm. Do I dare say 2016? I think you might be right. And 
but similarly coming off of a really, really big year uh, in 2016. But this is different because this is off of one year. If you guys remember 2016, that was, that took three years of great double digit wins, you know, in a row to, yeah. to even get near that. And I, we know the Antonio kind of maybe didn't recruit the same way and mm-hmm. it worked for him um, to a ceiling. But I mean, Mel Tucker did this already and you're kind of like, you kind of, I just feel like everyone's kind of getting it. Like you can start to see it a little bit more, the vision. And it, that it's like all the promises are like maybe possible to come true and we're uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Like we want to, we're used to being lied to <laughs> of yeah. hope. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm deeply confused by why a running back out of Texas is, is saying, yes, please, I'll have some of that. Like that, that feels different to me. It's a Kenneth Walker effect, man. I'm like, that's your... it. I mean, it has to be. But Although... John, he didn't have a Heisman. <laughs> It's true. It's true. So it only got to Texas. It didn't get further west. Yeah, like okay. it, it's got that far. <laughs> so, John, we've been getting Twitter questions about what the expectations are for this class, and that was this was before uh, before this commitment. Where do you think you know in the scope of things, in your heart of hearts, where do you think in a national ranking this twenty twenty three class ends up? I think it's, it's going to be top fifteen. And I think it's going to be the best class that Michigan State's ever had. And, and that I know that's, I don't know, kind of crazy because they only have uh, two commits so far. You just kind of have to, I think we're past having to um, like buy the, the vision, like what I was mm-hmm. saying before. Like you, you started to see some pretty profound results. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about a year six win and year two, like at a certain point you have to like kind of, Say, is this Kool-Aid or or is this um, happening? And and I think for me, I kind of lean towards the, this is happening when the second commit, as we talked about, is a kid from Texas that Mel Tucker's never recruited from, from Texas yeah. at Michigan State. Okay, like so, the, all the guys that are warm already, and kind of maybe the places you'd expect, maybe we could pull some top talent. I think that's all still happening. So this was like a name that kind of jumped out because it was maybe not the guy you thought was going to com- commit early. Just he, yeah, it geographically does not fit the profile of an MSU commitment at all, much less an early commitment like this. Yeah, man. Are should we be worried? And this is going to segue to a, a bit of a topic later on. But I've noticed some of the warm weather kids have been leaving the program. Mm. Is this is this a long term problem for? I mean, us? this is you putting your priors. At, like you've <laughs> yes. been really negative about about cold weather this yeah, year. That's fair. That's fair. That's um, fair. That's fair. I can point at a number of Georgia guys that have stuck around over the years. A number of Florida yeah, guys right, that have stuck right, around over right, the years. Right. I think uh, I think this is about opportunities first and foremost. What uh, What if you What if you considered this? Because I feel like I like that thought. I hadn't. I've never heard of it until today. What if you thought about this? It's like the guys from warmer weather generally came to Michigan State because they were passed over by their warm state uh, schools, and they mm-hmm. got here, and it's not good enough anymore. And you know, and so they have nowhere. They 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 kind of ran out of room, and so now they're going home. But they were passed over at first, and maybe that's why they ended up here. I don't know if that's fair or not. I mean, 
I, I think there's there's some reasonableness to that. Uh, you know, some of those some of those transfers out. Well, one of the transfers out. Uh, I don't know that he was particularly passed up by programs. But ah. We'll get to him in a second. Yeah. Uh, I I do want to shout out uh, Riscano because I quite enjoyed his uh, his like notes app commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do believe it included something about, I, I'm paraphrasing, thank you to all the coaches. I know I've been hard to recruit. And mm. and I I enjoy that level of self-awareness. I just, mm. I think that's that speaks to a level of maturity for a yep. 17, 16 year old. Um, do we know what that's in reference to? Because I don't. Oh, I, I just assume that maybe he he texted a lot. I mean, in, in the way that Keon Coleman supposedly was like texting Tom Izzo all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do I, I do love that Tom Izzo has to give his phone number out to Keon Coleman and like just has mm-hmm. to deal with it. Um, Mel Tucker cast a lot of chips with Tom that day. Was like, please, yeah. please, 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 please. Please, like please, please don't make me lose credibility yeah. with this. You you can put him on red like for three messages each. Like yeah. you have to talk to him sometimes. <laughs> I need this guy. Like I need him. <laughs> uh, so that is not the only news about uh, uh, folks coming into the program. Uh, I I think it's fair to say that we can be pretty excited about a transfer out of Georgia. Amir Speed, objectively a top ten last name. Yeah, dude. All name team. All name Can't team. Can't write it better than that. Uh, defensive back from Georgia. Uh, played three, start, I'm sorry, started three games for uh, the Bulldogs this past year. Eventually got passed by a five-star, um, I believe freshman, but uh, played in 13 of their 15 games. Um, I mean, this is the cornerback help that we, we needed. Plum, I have to imagine that this is going to go some way to alleviating your weekly aneurysms? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think the team's, I, I don't know. You're, you're probably right. I think the team's issues are a little bit deeper than just one person, but I think the um, it, it's, it's promising. I mean, I don't know. And, and if you're right, I think the bigger question is, how do I survive? Um, I think like many Michigan State fans, you do have to have something to anchor onto uh, in terms of frustrations. Um, <laughs> Grievances. <laughs> this has certainly been consistently true for me. I need to have some core grievance that I can, that is my waypoint. <laughs> John, so it, it seems to me that this means we've got Ronald Williams, who the targets his way down the stretch really started to shrink. Uh, we've got Chuck Brantley, who I don't know that he's starting, but like, is a legitimate person in the mix. I don't know how you want to count Darius Snow in all of this as a as the nickel, but Amir Speed, you have to assume starting three games for a team that won the Natty is gonna find his way onto the roster in a starting capacity, right? Oh yeah. I mean I think absolutely he starts <clears throat> with Ronald Williams. And then <clears throat> you can kind of hope that Chuck Brantley works his way into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you know Amir knows what he signed up for. Like the same thing can happen to him like it did at Georgia. Like that's competition. But but that's the way you'd want shot like that's the talent depth that Mel's building that like you kinda hope that um uh Chuck Brantley didn't have to play last year, like at all. But right. he and, and they forced him in because of necessity as we saw him 
maybe he like wasn't physically ready for the Big Ten. Like he was like a buck fifty or something. So. Dude yeah. could hit though. Dude oh could yeah, hit. he could like hit himself out of the out of, out of the, the season. Um, Can I ask? I want to ask a question about culture here, mm-hmm. because I think there's something interesting to me. As we have seen, Mel Tucker has got to be is he the preeminent? I don't know. He's certainly among the top coaches in terms of mastery of the portal. I mean, Michigan State success this season is ties directly to how well he was able to utilize the portal. But I wonder, does that come with a downside for players who are recruited young, who are coming as freshmen, who? develop under the program who are looking to earn their spot for whom they know what competition looks like on a team in a season, but you, you lose that ability to look longitudinally, um, to know, you know, how do you, how do you, what's the internal process that you have to go through to sort of know, like a Brantley, like when is it, when does he get to start? You know, is it all size? how do you keep guys anchored into a program like this when you're constantly bringing in potentially external noise guys who are great guys like speed coming from Georgia? What do you, what do you do? You know, is there a cultural question there? How do you lead through that? I mean, that's, I think for me, one of the big questions is there's a good upside to the, to the portal. How does Tucker manage the team knowing it's there and keeping guys, you know, high performing? I mean, do to add to that, Jonesy, do you want to talk about really quick who we lost this week? Well, sure, but I, I do think that maybe it's a, that Anthony Russo, uh, bless be him, uh, was a sacrificial lamb because I, I think that's the answer, right? Is yeah. is that mm-hmm. you? I mean, you don't make promises like you. You show right. how they can fit in. You say you've got to earn it. I've got dudes behind you who are going to be pressing for time in the same way that I, I, I think it's cap who wants coach, uh, uh, coach cap, uh, the offensive line coach who said openly, like, I'm always trying to recruit someone better than you. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just, I think to your, I think it's a great question. Plum. I think part of it is that about recruiting dudes who are unafraid of competing and that like, it, it's sort of a, fuck you, I'm going to earn my spot always mm-hmm. mentality. Um, but also to your point uh, and transition point, Ma Nateate uh, has entered the portal who is the was uh, the highest rated recruit uh, Mel Tucker um, had brought in, uh, you know, flipped him from USC. That was the big get. Mm-hmm. Saw moments of him this past uh, season that, I mean, it's a little hard to evaluate uh, because Quiveras Crouch could show moments of brilliance and then moments of wild incompetence, but uh, which he recovers from quickly <laughs> because his speed is insane. Uh, but so yeah, Ma has headed to the portal is headed elsewhere. I, you know, I wonder in some parts, is that a nature of the scheme? Uh, but obviously, you know, they recruited very much over him out of the portal. Um, John, I, I guess we'll turn to you first. I don't tend to think this is an immediate loss, but depth at the linebacker position may be a concern for the next few years. And yeah, I mean, this was the first transfer where you could have you know, probably objectively said this kid could have started for Michigan State in his career at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of guys yeah. that <clears throat> maybe transferred – that I don't know if you could hand on heart like 
I mean, maybe it could yeah. happen, right? Like, but right. but probably not. And and this was the first one I think that I I think to to I think Plum's point was like I, I kind of was t- totally on to Anthony Russo, like you come here and compete for the job, nothing's promised. This one's like tough in the opposite way because you got a freshman, you know, that you recruited, and you're the best one, by the way. And 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 then you know they're bringing guys in in front of you, and I think this is the first test for Mel Tucker. Uh, to address that kind of with his team and his recruits, because everyone, you know, is going to, you know, work, use that against him moving forward. Other coaches, as they, you know, they, like coaches do. So yeah. he's got to be ready to to answer that question. I don't know how he will. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just that's just a, his newest challenge as he tries to build this roster. I I have to imagine too the that Ma couldn't have anticipated that Cal Halliday would be an AP. American freshman of the year. Like, you know, I mean, I don't, I didn't anticipate that. I don't think anyone, I I doubt Mel Tucker anticipated that. Um, But we got a dude doing pick sixes with a club on his hand. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, so I, I, it's, it's a two position spot, right? That room gets crowded quickly. I don't, it does. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's mad about the pickups we made at that spot, but um, I think, look, he's been, uh, somewhat uh, the victim of my ire at times, but Matt Carrick has announced that he's coming back for a sixth year. Um, and I, I don't know. I have to say it felt like for a while there, we kept saying, well, this, this line's very experienced. They're going to be good. Eventually. Uh, this one feels like a big deal though. Cause the line made improvements this past year. You have to wonder if they'll continue <clears throat> to do so. Greg, do you have thoughts? I mean, no, the offensive line is boring, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But uh, any any opportunity in this position group to have some consistency and also to have some experience, I'm willing to take. So, yeah, I don't think Matt Carrick's at the top of anyone's like all time favorite player list. Um, even like Matt, Mrs. Carrick's like got <laughs> other favorite players on the team. But that uh, Kenneth, that Kenneth was such a darling, such a nice young man. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, this is a position group where experience pays off and consistency pays off. And that has been an area that this offensive line has had real trouble with keeping guys healthy, not having to shift them around. So, uh, I'll take it personally. Um, John on the, I think, I think it was the most recent episode of the only podcast, uh, you and Austin had talked about the notion of, of the buy year. And as we're talking about, you know, transfer portal additions, uh, you know, at the linebacker spot at the DB spot, I'm, I'm super curious if you could, uh, explain no Greg, as you're updating the outline, that is not the correct spelling. It is indeed buy with a U, uh, John, could you explain, uh, sort of the idea of, of, maybe what Tucker's trying to do this year and, and what, how we should view his portal activity this year. Yeah. Well, and the other example is when guys come back, you know, whether you're expecting it or not, Matt Carrick's a great example with Carrick coming back. You just bought a year of a development for Gino Vandemark, who's mm-hmm. a guy that we really want to be starting, but now he doesn't start until he's ready and like to be at that level. And he, and if he beats out Carrick for the job, then we're in great shape. But you weren't thrown into it. And I think, you know, a couple of the other names we talked about, like Chuck Brantley is an example of that. Like, you don't have to start him until he's physically ready or mentally ready 
for the position instead of doing it out of need. So I think when we talk about the buyer, we just saw some of these guys coming back, you know, Xavier Henderson being the biggest one. Because sure. instead, you have Kendall Brooks, a Division Two transfer, starting right. at Strathfield. We're not trying like, to put like what is it Dylan Tatum who will play that spot or I mean uh, yeah and there's your options right you got to either play like Jaden Mangham right away uh, or yeah maybe Dylan Tatum it it gets <laughs> you don't want that situation so it's like we've yeah. been saying with basketball you know Max Christie isn't being relied on he can kind of come into his own at mm-hmm. his own pace and without exactly. the external pressure of like I got to be the dude right now I got to go take the shot in this game. You can and like take it, it a step organically. Yeah. Take it a step further. Imagine if like Pierre Brooks had to play because Gabe Brown, you know, decided he wanted to go pro, which would have been a bad idea. Mm. Like, <laughs> and then, but then you're like, Oh God, we got to play Pierre Brooks a lot. And it's like, is he ready for mm. that? Maybe, but I'd like to know he's ready rather than find out on the fly. So um, that's kind of what we mean by that. And as we learned this week, when you have a team with a bunch of freshmen and they're losing games that they should win, your coach has a complete meltdown um, <laughs> during during the postgame press conference. And Rashid Wallace, one of your assistant coaches, is now just gone. It's not clear. <laughs> so these are the situations that we get to avoid now, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, all right. Well, that's a great transition point to basketball, how I started the episode inadvertently. Um, and MSU takes home a very sweet victory, 86 to 74 at the Kohl Center over Wisconsin. Uh, top 10 Wisconsin. Uh, they were winning games. They, they were feeling themselves. But uh, John, I'm curious. This is something that Greg and I talked about after the game, but this is the best win since. Ooh. Uh, maybe the Illinois win last year. Mm. I think that was the one that kind of was su- also surprising, you know, in a different way. <laughs> I think a lot more surprising last year. Um, yeah, maybe that. It's, it's been a while. Has yeah. anyone seen the stats for the last time Wisconsin gave up 86 points oh or more God. at home? Like, I would love to, I still haven't seen it yet. The last time that an opposing team came into Cole center and put that many points up. I know some of that was due to free throws at the end of the game, but still don't care. Yeah. (laughs) 12 point victory with that high of an offensive output on the road at a top 10 Wisconsin team. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. one of the most impressive wins that I've seen in a few years from this team. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's dig into some of the highlights and lowlights of the game. And, and Plum, I'm going to let you go ahead and get us started here because speaking this of feels... the grievances and the rock that we <laughs> you can let's, always come let's back talk to. about the first four minutes where there were four turnovers in less than uh, well, you just said it. I mean, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why. Um, but I'll say this, I didn't expect us to win the game. So when we started off with four turnovers in the first three minutes and 44 seconds, um, I was like, yeah, this is right. This is right. And what was frustrating to me was that we were going to beat ourselves in this game as opposed to losing to Wisconsin. And in fact, the complete opposite happened. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, 13 turnovers on the game is a problem. That continues to be a problem. That does bring our 14 and a half turnovers on the season average down just a tick, uh, but not significantly. Um, and yet, for a 12 point win. So uh, I, I do want to let people know, Plum, because I, I think this is my favorite text message from you of all time. <laughs> Truly. Well, Bingham doesn't get the tip. This game is over. <laughs> and, you know, I, th- this may have been the first tip he didn't win all season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, truthfully, at, at his height versus who he was against, I mean, it's it's it, reason. It was a reasonable like indicator of, oh, is this the Marcus Bingham we're going to get today? Well, and it certainly was, but I know we'll get to him in a minute. Um, no, I mean, I think well, so I've, we made the point on the turnovers. I'd probably go to something else, but I this continues elemental by elementary basketball things, right? Like that. It's um, and yet this team has somehow found ways to compensate for inexplicably high and outrageous numbers of turnovers. Well, yeah. one of those, I'm going to jump forward as a little bit here on the outline is that Max Christie locked Johnny Davis down in the time that he was on, on yeah. him. Like I know Johnny Davis ended up having 25 points at the end of the game, but like it was on 20 shots. It was an inefficient, high, you know, middling utilization type of outing for Johnny Davis. And Max Christie, when he was on him, locked him down. Unbelievable performance Mm -hmm. by the freshman. Also credit to Hogard, who took a fair amount of Johnny Davis. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it too much until the second half. Hogard played his best defensive game, hands down. I think he played his best game, period. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's stick to the first half because it was bizarre. Tyson Walker maybe had the worst half of basketball, including the time he took himself out of a game <laughs> that I've seen out of Tyson Walker. Hogard looked elite. Mm-hmm. John, you had you had some thoughts on on Hogard that that uh, enlightened the folks. I just thought, like in a game that had so many people step up. I think his was going to be like maybe lost in it. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and like, because there are so many people that were studs, right. But I just look at like that eight assist performance and especially after Walker just like didn't have it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like being thrown in you're like, okay, here we go again. Just like last year, you know, the, the starters are fucking up and I have to go and try and make sure the ship doesn't think, think, and, and he does way more, than, you know, and he, he's, does two things he distributes the ball keeps it moving and then the other thing that he did really well i thought was um get fouled and mm-hmm. he, and he that's something that i just feel like there are people there are just only a couple people in the league every year who know how to get fouled and, and it's just like an underrated thing you know especially at the point guard position because yeah. if they're point guard in trouble like then the whole team's in trouble so maybe that's something he picks up on but i wanted to throw something at you guys with like Walker and Hogard, you kind of never knew who's going to have their game that game. And I just yeah. find that like not infuriating, but like almost relieving because you're like, well, maybe there's someone behind him that could do it instead of just being like, Oh God, we have nobody kind of like at a lot of positions last year. You guys remember <laughs> in 2013 when Derek Nix and Adrian Payne combined to be like a competent center. <laughs> like with their powers combined, like <laughs> they were Captain able, Planet style. They were just able to be like a a like bare net neutral center. 
I feel like with our team this year, you get that all at like every position where you're like, hey, maybe this guy will have it. Nope, he didn't. All right, we'll try this guy. You know, it's either plug in this next one. Yeah, it's like Malik or Hauser, right? Or or Hogard or or Walker or you know, is it Marble or Bingham? You know, it, 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 everyone gets a shot. <laughs> But you that was actually car. one of the questions that I had as a result of this game. Like, what does this tell us about this team? If Walker can have a, a bad first half and a ho-hum mm-hmm. second half, and then like Gabe Brown mm-hmm. is not the guy that wins you the game on offense. And Marcus Bingham, it appears yeah. to be in long COVID right now. We're, mm-hmm. we're not seeing the same Marcus Bingham that we had the, at the beginning of the year. But you still go to the Cole Center and win by 12 points on 86 points. Mm-hmm on 86 total points. Like what does this tell us about this team moving forward? It's chaos. It's chaos. I would be terrified if I was Illinois, but it's also like you graduate to the next boss in a video game. Like mm. you, Illinois is probably the most efficient team in the conference. So like <laughs> this next game is going to be even tougher, but who knows? Maybe MSU has it. Or, or they're going to Northwestern it. But like you said, we just saw a new ceiling, and that is really exciting. Uh, yeah, so let's maybe turn a bit to the second half then, because it was interesting. Foul trouble early at the five, um, which led to stretches of, of Hauser at the five and some Sissoko minutes, which got him on the board, um, praise be. Um, but... Jaden Aiken seemed to have himself a second half mm-hmm. and it really opportune times. Like the, the thing that impressed me most about this game and this team is that when Wisconsin went on their run with what, like 10 minutes left mm-hmm. and they cut it to six previous teams. And there are like, there have been good MSU teams that would fold in an mm-hmm. environment like that, but this team bounced back and Aikens in particular hit those those threes that like were more than just threes. Like they were back breaking threes um, for, for that Wisconsin team trying to get some momentum going, trying to get the crowd into it. I, that was what impressed me more than anything. Yeah. uh, I I mean, Tyson Walker had himself a second half to a degree. I mean, less from the three point line, but, you know, four for seven, and he ended up at, I think all of that came in the second half. Um, I think Max Christie had both of his threes in the second half as well. Could be. Uh, um, you know, Julius Marble, I think, is someone that we need to talk about because, I mean, he only played 13 minutes in the game, uh, but went three for four from the floor. That's coming off of a, a perfect night uh, against Northwestern. I, I know we lose something out of Julius Marble when he's on defense, but it, it seems to me that if he, it, it, for him to find a role on this team, we need to trust him as a bucket and, and more needs to run through him because he's, you watch him play and he's got aspects to his game that are, that are, are, are more athletic than most centers you'll see in the big 10. Um, and, and so I, I don't know a, a question to the group, but like, I think we need to run a bit through more through marble when he's on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. He's the second highest, uh, 
like the field goal percentage on the team. Like he and he's doing it from all parts of the court, like inside the three point line. It's um, he's also not afraid of the moment, which I think is hard mm. to teach. Uh, and and he's always ready. I mean, yeah, to your point, if you're gonna play, like if you're gonna lose the defense by putting him in, let's at least get a bang for our buck. You know, right. Let's, let's run it. But Give yeah. him the ball. Exactly. Uh, that Malik Hall is the other person I want to chat about. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what to do with, like, at, Malik Hall is shooting at a level that <laughs> is stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, he didn't take a three in this game, but his three-point percentage is at 60%. Went seven for eleven from the field. I mean, and and I think was instrumental in that. Also in that that push up from the when they cut it to six points. Yeah. Like I I don't know. I I think I said this last week. Maybe I just said it to you, Greg, after the game. But it feels like Malik is a guy that we forget about always, and then he just puts he this year anyway. He's been putting up performance after performance like this. Well, early in the year, we we talked about, you know, is this, I, th- I think particularly in Maui, like, is this the Malik Hall that we've been waiting for that's going to do this consistently? And and then we sort of stopped having that conversation. We sort of went back to like, oh, no, it's the Malik Hall that shows up once every eight games. Um, but I, I don't know that this is in the stat sheet necessarily, but this like John getting at guys like oh i love i love angry malik this version of malik hall that we've been seeing a little bit of maybe that's you know maybe on those games that he doesn't necessarily contribute on the stat sheet like he's contributing in that way or maybe that that amps him up and that gets him going on a more consistent basis but um i i mean he played what 25 minutes in this game so he played more than than hauser by just a little bit um, if Bingham is going to be, you know, up effectively up, uh, or out, I should say, hold up, um, with this long COVID situation that makes things interesting as far as the bigs go. So if we're going to play small, I can see a future where he's got to play more minutes and then we're going to need him to contribute more in that time. Um, so I think like getting in your face, Malik Hall is something that I would like to add into the into the bigger rotation. Uh, I mean, 25 minutes, uh, pretty good for him. It's, it's, it's what his average is so far on the season. It's a little bit above his average on the season. Eight boards. There's a lot, there's a lot that he is contributing that, um, I, and I don't have my thumb on it, but he also just makes so many dumb decisions on there from shots. selection. I mean, actually that's not shot selection. His unfathomable thing. I expect him like he missed, I think two or three layups, in the game, and yeah, he missed so many dunks in this game, and dunks not even withstanding. But it's his, it's his fadeaways. He's falling to the floor and just puts up two, and they all go in every single time. The kid makes the most improbable shots, and yet doesn't get some of the finer things, like you know, obviously the turnovers. He only had two this game. That's an improvement. Um, he's he's fun to watch. I gotta give him that, and he smiles a lot. Uh, I, I, I sincerely hope that the off season is spent with Draymond on just uh, a masterclass in shit talking. Um, <laughs> that would, that would give me great joy if his alumni weekend was just about that. Uh, Plum, I'll keep it with you here because, um, Joey Hauser, I'm sure 
you have some nice things to say, and it has to do with his 11 rebounds because key to the game was not allowing offensive boards, and he picked up 10 defensive boards in this game. Uh, Seven points. An okay game from Joey. Yeah. um, Say nice things. Okay, I will. I mean, 10 defensive rebounds is is amazing. And you you want more, you, you want, yeah. Okay. Good job, Joey. I'm proud of you, buddy. Uh, he could not get a basket to fall. Seven, most of those seven points were from the free throw line. I think he shot 75% from behind the charity stripe. So I, you know, he had again, easy twos not going in and that's just him in his head. Um, but you know, there are things that Izzo loves about Joey Hauser, which explains why he continues to start, which explains why he continues to get so many minutes. Um, but, you know, his net plus minus is he was negative. He was he and really a net. Yeah, for the yeah. game. Yeah. And and I think that some of that's because that that even with those rebounds, you know, he still turned over two um, possessions there. I it just. So you want a guy with his experience to to be able to con- just contribute in a more consistent manner. I think that if I don't know what to, what to say, yeah, you're right. Ten ten rebounds, we should be grateful for. Um, but if you're going to play the five, you know, is that really that impressive? Well, a lot of it was the four, but yes, it. it but. The fair fair point. I, I, well, no, Marcus Bingham had four in twelve minutes. But Marcus Bingham is a special case because Marcus Bingham is falling the fuck apart, and no one knows why. <laughs> um, and I don't know when we get his second missive apology on Twitter. Sorry, Spartan <laughs> Nation, for letting you down again. Okay. <laughs> All right. There's the rage I was hoping for. Uh, John, I'm curious where you weigh in on the the Malik. Joey situation in that, you know, in the broadcast, there was a lot of talk about bench points. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it makes much sense to talk about bench points when Malik Hall is coming off of the bench. Yeah. I mean, he's like a pseudo starter, like Vinny, the microwave, uh, that's going to age me. Uh, (laughs) Bad boys player. He, I, I love the fact that last year we all were really hard on Joey. I think cause we all thought he's going to be something that maybe, um, we had told ourselves in our heads and it just didn't fit that and way. And Tom Izzo had said. And Tom, yeah, and like we all built it up and, and, and we needed him to be good. Like we didn't have an option. And this year, you know, we don't need him to be as good to be successful. And I think you kind of take it even a further step back. Like, do we want more? Absolutely. Should we just start to get comfortable with, you know, a guy that's going to rebound consistently and maybe – you know, make, hit a couple of long stretch shots. Yeah. And, and like, I think we just kind of maybe have to come to reality with that. And, and I think if the fact that Malik Hall is able to do so much in the remaining minutes, I think it's almost okay. Right. You know, and you just got to call it a wash and say, like, Joey Hauser is not going to win or lose us games. And that is a good thing. Like we, we don't have to rely on that anymore. And that's all I, I just try and like move on and, and like you start to see Malik grow as a player, which is great. And next year it's going to be his team and he's got an offensive game. And Oh, and the last thing about Malik, he has a shot. We have a go-to thing now. 
you guys remember Aaron Henry on the mm-hmm. block last year? Mm-hmm. We have Malik Hall in the short post as they need a bucket. Like yeah. we have a play. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of Gabe Brown, put your head down and good luck. Do some, See you on the other yeah. side. Anyway, yeah, yeah, because Gabe, I, he hasn't done it too much this year, but like no other player, can just disappear sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so. I guess uh, maybe let's circle back just briefly to Tyson Walker. Uh, and it, it feels like we can get one or the other out of Tyson Walker. And and actually, John, I'll turn it to you because I, I think you're departing us shortly. But we had a question, a Twitter question that we'll just jump up here. One player needs to shine in March to carry this team to a Final Four. What is that player? And in my mind, it's either Marcus Bingham or someone from the point guard spot. Yeah. Where are you at on this? I think for a Tom Izzo team, it's got to be Tyson Walker. And the good news is that he doesn't have to do it four straight games. You know, AJ Hogard can can snag one for you, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. But yeah, I mean, like point guards win championships, like guards win championships. Look at look at however many past years. Like the best player on Natty was not the center you know a guard gets you there almost nine times out of ten i would love for marcus bingham to become a guy but the moment we start saying like all right we need you know 20 and 10 from this guy it's like i don't know about that like and and walker can i think it's in him he's just like i don't know if he's it's a mental thing or what but he's got the physical ability like he can do it just gotta like get out of his own head sometimes you know i think he's the guy though to take he this needs more from. volume. Yeah, he needs hey, to shoot I mean, more. I don't know if it's like a confidence thing. Is it like does Gabe Brown need to be like, hey man, this is just as much your team as my team? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is that it? I don't know. But I mean, it, guys taking themselves out of games um, that indicates to me some kind of confidence type of issue. Yeah. Tough. I mean, yeah, and I mean, because no one thought AJ was going to be like. AJ would be an elite backup point guard. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, n- people would be so jealous that he's our backup point guard. Probably are jealous that he's our backup yeah. point guard. But, but for that to be true, you, I don't think you can have Wisconsin games out of Tyson Walker. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm not trying to like shit on the kid, but yeah. I mean, it was a bad day for him. And even though he had a redemption arc in the second half, like, you can't have that and you, and you can't be pulling yourself from the game. And like, it just hit him more than any, like I, I wish that we had one more tune up on the schedule for Tom to just say Tyson, get buckets. Mm. Like it, it feels like he needs a run the offense, but get buckets, like do what, just do what feels right. And, and I think he was too worried about, I mean, his getting his assist numbers up. I don't, I don't know. Down our way to end a 12-point victory on the road. Yeah. Uh, also, wins, 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 wins. <laughs> uh, John, I know you have in, uh, like a very important um, PBS <laughs> news hour to get to, uh, but we are going to preview Illinois and Michigan in, in the next bit. So I'm curious, before you leave us, uh, do you have thoughts on either of these games? <laughs> um, I, I think it's, 
it's one thing I just, I, I do, I say this because I've already gone through it personally and I had to remind myself. So I'm just going to share the warning with everyone. Uh, it is January. While these two games will feel like the end of the world both times, just like yes. the Wisconsin one did, like <laughs> there was a point Friday night where I was like, I will not mentally recover until at least next Thursday if we lose this game. And I had to be like, this game doesn't matter. I mean, like, yeah, it's for first place, but calm down. I kind of feel like these two games are going to be the most fun week we've had in a while as a fan. And then we just need to kind of reground ourselves and, you know, win them both, lose them both, split. Like, there's still a long way to go. And that is, I'm not trying to, you know, downplay the, the week, but a lot can change. So, Didn't uh, we have these two games one day apart last year, and they were yeah. truly the end of the world? They like, were. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is an upgrade. We're in a good spot. Um, all right, uh, John, we will let you get to your PBS NewsHour, um, and, uh, and thank you for joining us here. Dude, this is so much fun. Uh, thanks for having me, and um, be sure to, I'll be sure to retweet and leave a good review. <laughs> thank you appreciate Later, that guys. Thanks again. lie to the people for us thanks buddy all right before we head off grand river a big thank you again to john kirby of the only podcast you can find him on twitter at john underscore kirby uh that's kirby with a k is there a different spelling nope that's it nope that's the spelling look at all you right. look at us improving our spelling yeah 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 uh considering it started off with a banger of uh show placement i'm i'm gonna go ahead and take that as a w uh all right let's head off grand river and let's start with the ncaa and there was actually quite a bit of news uh this week out of the ncaa that some of which we are not going to cover including them voting on a new constitution uh but i think the bigger news in an immediate sense is that they chose not to grant redshirt waivers this year to uh, to uh, to teams that are choosing to exercise their red shirt when COVID inflicts their team. And so what I mean by that is that they, there was a question posed to the governing body that essentially asked the question, uh, should you have a similar red shirt situation to what you have in football, where you're allowed to play four games, but you don't wave a red shirt? Mm-hmm. Should we allow people to maintain a red shirt in this year because of COVID uh, with, you know, I think that's sort of self-explanatory that they can play a percentage of games for their sport equivalent to the four, four games in football. Uh, And they chose not to, I I guess what bothers me about this is first of all, pandemic, right? Like at the outset, there's a a logistics to all of this that just Mm -hmm. makes common sense, but also the plug for football has always been, that this improves graduation rates, that it keeps people in school longer to complete their coursework um, without having to burn eligibility, the thing that keeps them on scholarship. So, I mean, it is obviously very different from from sport to sport, but this felt like a, what did it really risk for the student student athlete what did this really risk and and it seems like they fell short here and we got thoughts i i mean other than other than to agree no not necessarily um it seemed like it would have been worthwhile um but alas 
And also, uh, what, what's surprising to me is it might have helped the NCAA televise basketball games this year. And (laughs) I would have thought that they would have taken that opportunity. Um, So this doesn't even suit the financial interest of the NCAA. Um, So maybe it's that schools didn't want this to happen. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Plum, you would not miss an opportunity to shit on Mark Emeritt. So you got thoughts? I think that most of what the NCAA decides is half-cocked and reactionary. They are self-preservationists um, without knowing what it is exactly they're trying to preserve. Um, right. They are, you know, they're just conservative as, as sort of reactionary. And I think that that's, um, you know, and which is, which is, you know, which is also to say, if you ask any one of them, they will have a reason. They'll be able to articulate and justify it. But your points are compelling. And I think the thing the NCAA is afraid of more than anything else is a sort of modernity that just reveals them to be as useless as we in fact know they are. Um, and you just are more surprised, I guess, that university presidents aren't more aware of the of the um, absurdity that the NCAA is. And of course, you know, Mark Emmer will just say that they're just a membership organization and they can, those folks can change or leave anytime they want. Why aren't they? Well, with the new constitutional changes, that may be more on the track with football. Yeah, we got to do that. We got to talk about that maybe sometime in the offseason, because it it seems like we are well down a path where the NCAA will either formally or informally cease to exist as we know it. Yeah. Um, So in more somber news, uh, the University of Michigan has. settled its sexual abuse claims uh, as a result of um, the sexual abuse inflicted by uh, Robert Anderson. Um, And to to the extent it's with the survivors and and the folks who are not survivors uh, is, is not clear. Uh, You know, there were over a thousand folks who were tagged as victims of, of uh, Dr. Anderson's abuse. Um, but for $490 million, they've, they've settled the claims. I don't know how much we want to comment on this week. Uh, I think we all have thoughts about it. Um, but I will solicit initial reactions to the extent you feel comfortable talking about it without sort of us all having discussed how we feel as a podcast. I mean... It's only been accepted by the lawyers, right? Of the of the litigants, they haven't voted to accept it yet. Um, still, I hope this brings, you know, should it be accepted, I hope this brings comfort to those that were abused. And um, yeah, you know, and, and their families. Yeah, Plum. Do you have anything else you want to add to it? I think that this podcast has correctly made a decision to sort of not stray into um, stirring the pot on this subject. Uh, you know, I think those who live in glass houses don't throw stones, and we've certainly are aware of the um, the tremendous responsibility that universities have. Um, the one thing I will say is that the individuals who are involved in the vast, I mean, all, I mean, just Michigan State, Penn State, I mean, I know there are other examples. Individuals who are involved in those things have, to a person, been 
excised from universities and excised their their memories, you know, as much as can be. Statues taken down, um, things like that. Whether whether real statues or legacies, you know, these things are gone. And at Michigan State, Luana K. Simon, even Mark Hollis at Penn State, you know, I mean, the coaching is just. And there seems to be one notable exception, and I think it is striking. I think it is shameful, and um, it's yeah. not. Uh, it's, ultimately, it's up to the, that university, its alumni, um, and any self-respecting um, person who affiliates with it, I guess, to make those decisions. But I will say, it is striking. There is I that had, element. I had not thought about the Joe Pa comparison. Oh, I, I well, I it just it. I just think, I mean, again, and I, I don't, we don't have to get into it. I just, it's, it's sufficient to say there's a reason why Truman had a thing on his desk that said the buck stops here. I mean, you know, he and it, wrote a book called Bonos about how the amount of accountability that leaders should have in an organization. So he agreed with you. And I think that's the point. I think that's the point we're trying to make. And I think, you know, it's uh, the, I just, let's just say this, the mental gymnastics of some adherents of the school in Ann Arbor, what they have gone through to twist themselves into being able to defend a legacy. You know, well, on one hand, you have to sort of acknowledge their ability to hold the tension of, you know, radical opposites, which is a profound capacity for any human. Um, but it, it really flies in the face of many of the same allegations and frustrations that were leveled against Michigan State um, when, when we were appropriately going through this and deserved it. So... Yeah, I that think we'll element more on we, that next week. Yes, we we should come back to that. I I think it. I agree with you, Plum. But I think we should collect our thoughts on that and come back to this subject in a way yeah. that's measured and appropriate. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, so uh, this would be an opportune time to, uh, as we did in the past, transition to a not a sponsor that is wholly inappropriate for the serious <laughs> conversation we had, and we could choose Jim Harbaugh squatting while teenagers take selfies that are unironically hilarious with him not selfies just film him doing something so stupid or penny hardaway having a complete meltdown would have been ripe topics but we will save those um greg i did some initial work on previews did you do any additional work is what is this my job i'm just the preview monkey to you people I no, literally I do, do the entirety of the outline, and I ask one. I thing do the me. entirety of the the cutting and the, the all of those things. The <laughs> hosting. We're at you. I did a full preview of both of these upcoming games, and then the internet went out. And then and when you know all it? of it was lost. <laughs> Yali ate it. Yali ate the internet. And I and I so I printed it off. I had printed off a hard copy so that I could beat it, and then she ate that too. And that is really a shame. She's the worst. She's going to get kicked for this. She is getting kicked right now as I speak. <laughs> right in the ribs. All right. So let's head to the old Ken Palm. Uh, so we have uh, a game against Illinois at Illinois on Tuesday, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, they are Ken Palm 15, 15th in offense, 38th in defense. Uh, Illinois is in a bit of a spot right now uh, because two of their best players are kind of question marks uh that is andre corbello who is coming back from a concussion uh, no not a concussion something different than a concussion i 
Kofi's yes. coming back from a concussion. Well, we'll get to Kofi in a second. But uh, Corbello's coming back from something that kept him out from November. I think some sort of surgery. But he played like an insane person in a double overtime loss at home against Purdue. If you missed that game, I'm truly sorry. It's one of the best college basketball games I've, I've seen in a long time. Hmm. Uh, but then had a super quiet night in a loss to Maryland on the road. Played only 14 minutes. Um, he f- completely was stirring the drink in that uh, in that game against Purdue. That was it was quite compelling. Uh, Kofi Cur- Coburn has uh, missed at least the last game uh, against Maryland with a concussion. TBD on whether he appears, but we all at this point in time know Kofi. Uh, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, this is not the first season that you've watched Michigan State hoops. So I don't need to explain what kind of mammoth human being he is and will present a legitimate challenge to Michigan State uh, on the interior. Marcus Bingham or not. Uh, I mean, he's he is tall and he is thick with eight C's. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. uh, other players to note, Trent Frazier, who. You know, people joke about other people who've been around for like eight years. I feel like Trent Frazier has been around forever. Mm. Uh, can drive, can pass, and has it a nice three-point shot. Uh, it is going to be a tall task for Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard to to take Trent Frazier out of the game. I think the more interesting player is Alfonso Plummer. Yeah. A Utah transfer uh, who's utilizing his COVID year. Dude makes threes. I mean... He took 11 of them, 11 threes against Maryland. He's shooting 41% on the year from three-point line. I mean, that is, that's the assignment that I am most interested in because I think that is a, uh, maybe at times a Max Christie assignment, maybe at times a Malik Hall assignment. Mm -hmm. It's, that is an interesting defensive assignment. Well, he's, he's six one. So I, I would expect Christie to be put on him most of the time. Uh, Hands he's, up. He's also Alex Plum's favorite player of all time. The man is currently shooting 96.1% from the Oh, I thought you were going to make line. a plumber plum joke. Ah, there's also that. There's all of these elements. This guy's on the wrong team. We're going to lose Plum. Plum's just going to be out finding himself a Illinois fan podcast that he can adhere himself to listen to regularly from like Nepal and then suddenly be like, I'll join. Yeah. Do you guys called, need some, some COVID discussions? It's going to be called plum for plumber. And I'll tell you at 96.1%, he deserves only good things in his life. You know why he's mastered the <laughs> elementals. He's mastered the simple things. Frankly, you know what I bet he does? And I, I'm going to check the tape on this. I bet he's one of those underhanded free throw shooters. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> I, I'm I so proud of you, though. Going on the record, I yeah, I'm going to call I my shot not, on this. <laughs> I've not watched any Big Ten basketball. Uh, I'm going to stake my reputation as a listener guest of this pod and say I know for a fact that he achieved that rating by shooting in the most reliable way one can shoot, which is in the underhanded fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say... The times I've watched Illinois, there is an athleticism to that team that is imposing. So I, 
I truly think this is going to be a, a game. Kofi or not. Yeah. That um, their guards are physical. They're, they have size. Like they're, they're going to be an intense bunch. Um, and, and they're shooters. Like it, this will be a, uh, I'm going to be anxious game. Like yeah. I, this is not going to be fun. We haven't even mentioned Grandison yet. So like they've got some dudes that are efficient players and play within themselves, play in their roles. And uh, it's, there's a reason this was picked as the preseason um, team to win the big 10 conference. I know that, that hasn't ended up happening. I know that they're on a two game losing streak. Uh, do What do you guys make of, coming home from getting housed on the road at Maryland, having a few days to turn it around. Like, is this a game that MSU you get in Illinois at the wrong time right now? Or do you think MSU could potentially make something of this? I don't think it matters. Gotcha. I like, I, I just, I, I, they could be on a three. I've seen enough from Illinois. I mean, that double overtime loss to, to Purdue, like I, I, there's talent. There's so much talent there. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't care. I, I genuinely would not care. Um, I, it, and they play with such high energy all the time that I, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I expect a fun game. I don't expect to be demolished by Illinois from the jump unless we turn it over a bunch, but I, I truly, uh, they're, they're a fun group. Plum. Michigan's coming up. Do we get Michigan to finally do is coming now? Up. Is it hate week? Yeah. I think we finally get to play them. Maybe. Who knows? Only this a third is... of their team has had COVID. Who <laughs> knows who else could have it? Uh, they hit it so they we... hit... Go ahead. Oh, we've got, sa- we've got Michigan at, on Saturday at 12 p.m. on CBS. Um, they're coming off of just pummeling IU as of today. Right. I think they've got a game on Tuesday. Though I have to admit, I assume it's a hangover game from IU, having beaten uh, Purdue at home. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a great road win for Michigan. Like I don't think you can split that for a team that's been struggling and is. I mean, this isn't me taking shots, but like question marks about whether you're getting to the tournament. Yeah, I mean, these they're coming off of their two best games of the season. Or, or really what they're doing is they're they're kind of right setting to the expectations from before. Um, so, you know, that Indiana win at Assembly Hall, that Indiana team can get you. Like, that Indiana team has been, has also beaten Purdue, you know, um, has beaten Minnesota, has beaten Ohio State. Um, so for Michigan to go in there and get an 18 point victory at assembly hall, it tells you something. It, it, it's maybe that they are sort of rounding into the team that they were supposed to be to some degree, probably not going to be winning or in any kind of big 10 contention. But, um, when you think about, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say the, the challenge for Michigan, it seems like is, they don't play well together. I, I, I don't know That's how to what we sp- said when we previewed them the first time, they're less than the sum of their parts. That still seems to be true. And you can say what you want about Indiana, but 
getting up for a Purdue game at home and getting out a W maybe unlikely, but conceivable. Uh, I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I thought you I were going to say the problem for Michigan is that their second best player is Eli Brooks. And that's not generally a place where you want to be. Um, well, I, I mean, Musad, uh, I think is, uh, talent wise, maybe is, is it, but is not it this year. <laughs> like, I don't know that he's a net positive for them. This, the secret to this, I mean, Hunter Dickinson has been fairly, I mean, he's been their go-to guy. So you guys Should have gone pro. Well, and he didn't. And he's the one reason why uh, Michigan hasn't lost all of their games. But 25 points today, um, nine boards, averaging eight-point-some boards a game. He's someone to contend with. And I'm wondering, who do we see? I mean. Yeah, great question. I think this is a game you see more Mati Sissoko than you are fully comfortable with. In terms uh, yeah. of in terms of the size matchup, I mean, with Gabe Brown playing the way it's announced oh, tonight, Gabe uh, Bingham. I... Yeah, if if Bingham has long COVID, that's that's for sure a thing. And I think it was before we were recording about uh, John John Kirby was talking about how Illinois fans are still mad about Mati Sissoko from two years ago. Uh, uh, I don't color me shocked if we see a, a, a reprisal of the role of villain Hermati Soko in the Michigan game. Color me shocked. Yep. I, I mean, Hunter Dickinson not quite playing to the level that, you know, the, the press had him at for last year, but mm-hmm. Plum's right. Very good on the boards, pretty efficient. Um, likes likes his dunks um likes his close twos so um he knows his role he's playing within himself and um if you can shut him down though you do a a really good job that gets you most of the way there of beating this team well and that's and this is part of the thing that i wanted to talk more about because you know i like the culture culture question so we'd had more time but john probably to ask him some of this when you've got a guy like hunter who's clearly very well respected. I mean, maybe, you know, the most kind of like senior person on that team right now, just in terms of starting and he's the guy they're looking to when he has a good night, that's good for the team to your point, Greg, you shut him down. That's good for us, but I don't know. I'm well, well, it's been reported in the media that he doesn't exactly take a leadership role on the top. That's kind of, even though that is what you're saying is true. You want your most productive guys to sort of be that presence. Yeah. It doesn't seem that that's who he is as a personality. Maybe that's changed in the last few weeks. Um, Maybe that, maybe that's an indication of why they're on a little bit of a roll right now, but well, and if they found us, if they found their stride, that's, you know, good for them. I'll tell you, we're struggling to find ours from a leadership capacity, you know, Gabe Brown, I, we didn't really go into him that much, you know, earlier today on our review of the games, but you know, and maybe that's a one-off. He has a bad game, but he's a guy that we are going to have to continue to look to, especially when you have Tyson doing whatever the hell he's doing. And you've got guys like Bingham who are not performing well, you know, we're, you're lucky to be able to come off a game at, at Wisconsin, but that is anomalous. And I don't know. There's a culture thing there. Either way, I think it's fair to say 
that it's a 12 p.m. game on CBS. Like I'm not. Yeah. Uh. Uh. In a rivalry game, like I'm not. It's such a lazy take, but there's validity to the when there's enough talent on the other side. I guess is what I'm saying. There's enough talent on Michigan that you can say. I don't know that anything fucking matters at this point in time. Like there's, there's talent over there. They play for Michigan. It's going to be, it's going to be an intense game. And, uh, though I, I do hope you can pull back on or, or, or sort of fall back on the notion that we've demonstrated more team chemistry this year than they have. Mm. And you hope that carries the day. Yeah. Um, all right, let's head to Twitter questions. If we're, we're ready. Yep. Do we have the energy as a group? Let's do it. Okay. All right. First up, wide receiver to combo guard pipeline asks. Oh, we asked this of Kirby. Uh, One player needs to shine in March to carry this team to a final four. That player is. Does anyone disagree that it's Tyson Walker? I thought that was an interesting take. I wouldn't have pointed to Tyson Walker because I haven't seen any flashes of that brilliance for him. I do think his consistency score is going up. But uh, this team has been performing consistently bad in some ways, but reliable in terms of wins without a all-star Tyson Walker. So is he, I mean, for me, it's Bingham. For me, it's Bingham. And that was because he started out high. His sloppiness is also portending some real shakiness. For me, Bingham coming out of whatever funk he is as an anchor at the five, for me, is what anchors us in the tournament. I think John's point was traditionally when MSU teams have done well in the tournament, sure. it's sure. been an anchor from like a uh, a point guard that's distribution, sure. and I, that completely makes sense. This team just doesn't seem to have it, and the number and, and and by which I mean it's not just on Walker. Izzo has been hugely inconsistent this season in terms of how he's splitting up the role. I mean, Hogard's getting a ton of minutes. You can't. I don't see Walker putting those minutes back on the shelf or grabbing them back from Hogard in a way. They're still for me. They're still going to be. I don't see either one of them giving those up. So I think yeah. there's a lot of sharing, even if Walker does have a huge breakout. It would take a lot for me to think that that Walker's going to get to 30 minutes a game. Correct. I mean, there's still 13 games in the regular season. Add well, several more for the tournament. We'll see what happens. Sure. But, um, next up from Evmarie 24. Uh, did Izzo bring out the fat and sassy too early? How is he going to motivate this team in February? One seed. It's going to be the one seed. Uh, I, I don't know that we're, I don't know that we're over the hump. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, we, I can't take one game. Yeah. We will lose to Michigan by 27 on Saturday. And that, that might be what we need. Um, until and unless I see film of Izzo physically hurting causing physical injury and harm to his players. He will, in my mind, he will not have done enough to correct what I consider an insurmountable indignity. Full Bobby Knight on people. Full Bobby Knight. I want throwing toasters at their lower backs. (laughs) With the toaster reference again. I'm not going to stop. All right. Uh, Next up from Ebury24, thoughts on our good pal, pal Elgin Bates. <laughs> well, I don't uh, know what my thoughts are, but I know that the parents of every blue chip prospect are thinking about Elgin Bates a lot. <laughs> can, can we 
can uh, someone enlighten the group on on the story? Uh, so what's what's happened is uh, the Memphis basketball team has continued to implode. I know that they had a win today, one that Imani did not really participate in in the last eight minutes. Um, and as a result, members of the Bates family, including Elgin himself, took to Twitter, uh, responding to some MSU fans calling him out or Instagram or whatever it was. Um, essentially, uh, suggesting that, uh, Izzo wouldn't have been the guy because look at Gabe Brown and Malik Hall and how they're not, they're not maxing out their potential or something like that. But Um, Kevin, it gets worse because Amani took to Instagram as well. uh, And I don't think he should be spared from this. He, uh, I believe I saw that he's deleted his Instagram as uh, presumably as a result of all of this. And he said a couple things. One, he said, ask Izzo why I'm not on the team. We know that the, the rumors he, had he, been that the Bates has reached back out to MSU and there wasn't interest there. Um, and two, uh, he said there's no money at MSU or something like that, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So winning all around from the Bates family, uh, it's a good time. I, I and let's let's then so you have this happening with the Bates family, and then you have Penny Hardaway. It's just a complete and total meltdown. Over so there. yeah, if if no one saw Penny Hardaway had a full blown meltdown at a press conference that that when you listen to it seems more measured than when you read it. I think is a fair way of describing it. But he dropped two f bombs within a minute of each other. So it was not measured. And more importantly, he said, I'm only playing freshman SMU. This dreaded SMU team is playing 21 and 22 year olds. Um, not a good, not a good argument, Penny. Yeah. I mean, also like you're a dude, you're a fucking coach. Those are your players. You, you, you created that roster. (laughs) Like, yeah. I don't know what you want me to tell you, but like, it's your job. You know, like, I, 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 one of the things that I saw in, um, Imani's tweets, cause what got this started for Imani was, I don't know, one of those just like clickbait. I don't even know who released it. NBA prospect lists where he dropped to 20. Yes. And he was sort of, oh, that was Elgin. Elgin, I think did that. The tweet? Well, that was what brought him out. Yeah, that's what brought his dad out. Okay, well, he he also, he, he there was a subtweet of him and that thread saying basically, you know, don't disrespect me, bro. And Oh, yes, 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 and, yes, yes, yes. And that, like, sort of old man yelling at Cloud is very much how, that that's the same thing that Penny Hardaway said. That struck me. Because that's a cultural piece again. That is a... Penny Hardaway must be loved by his players because he clearly is not shutting the office door when he is going Looney Tunes. And because you can see this when you have a really unhealthy leader who uh, gets people to follow him because or her her, because of the emotional over availability. This was very much like you have a young person who seems to be fighting the battle of his. You know role model or something yeah and 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 while it very much is his own thing i mean obviously like if that's how he feels that's how he feels but 
he's looking to leaders to give him the vocabulary, to give him the language, to give him that's the permission. That's definitely true. It's not a coincidence that he's using the exact same. And that's uh, that's striking because that demonstrates a complete. To your point about breakdown, a complete and utter breakdown. Could you imagine Izzo ever getting to that point ever, and or his players in a way having using that language as a way to sort of excuse, uh, indulge, or allow that to be like to normalize that sort of conduct. That was beyond the pale for me, and that for me was like, oh yeah, this whole thing has gone off the rails. This is a delight to watch. So a couple interesting things in this one. Is it any surprise to you guys how this has worked out with no. Imani? Nope. I mean, I'll, I'll point out that he's still 17. There are opportunities to come back from this. But it, the analogy that I was having this conversation in our household You can't here, do it there, though. Um, uh, no. Well, that's my next question. Imagine, like, I think something that we can all relate to is, like, imagine a very gifted student. Take a gifted, like one of the most gifted students you've ever met when they're 14, put them in a bunker for a few years, and then put them back in with their peers. Like, they're gonna be behind. Like, if you take anyone at that age, I don't care how gifted they are, and you just shut them down. I know that there were, you know, some AAU games that they were able to play, but like, he effectively was not developed for, for a couple of years at Bates Academy. I'm not surprised at all by this. I think Amani might recover from it, but I'm not surprised by this outcome. I think that that environment that you put him in really stunted him. The question is, what do you do next year? You clearly, you can't stay at Memphis. It's just a complete meltdown. Yep. Do you go to the D League? Do you transfer to another college? And if so, what type of college what's the profile or do you go to europe davison it's working for someone that we know uh i mean i think he's him staying in a mid-major is the right move yeah i i I do think that's the right move um because of the opportunity to shine yeah but like Someone needs to redefine what shining is to him. It's like, pass the ball, dude. Pass the ball. Like, I but mean, even it, those two things are at odds. I mean, I, I see your point. Redefine. He, be, he also shouldn't be playing point guard. Like, that's insane. That is insane. Yeah. He's, I think the worst option, the one that you can take and and put aside, is sending him to the D League. Like, if he's getting. G, trounced it's a G, League. G League. Pardon me. If he's getting trounced right now by the 22 year olds at SMU, imagine he goes up against the 26 year olds that graduated from college and have two way contracts. He's just going to get absolutely exposed. Put that one aside. Well, he's already so, getting exposed. Yes, but it it will be without a doubt. Like he won't have an opportunity to develop. It he'll just it'll fall apart. Um, I like the idea of going to a different mid major. Uh, I've seen in in certain places like the idea of a Gonzaga get floated. The problem with that, you got to go to a, they're going to choose a place where he can't accidentally end up on the bench. They're going to choose a place that's going to play him. But you, they're kind of already tried to strike that balance with Memphis, a place where you're going to get some shine on TV, but still get play time without any competition. I don't know. In in some respects, this is the best thing that could have happened to him because 
he has humility, selflessness, awareness of team. These things have not been developed in him. In fact, only the opposite has been. And that is all because of his father. That is to his personal detriment. Human growth happens through two things, great love and great loss. He's now had great love and great success in his penchant for and an appreciation of basketball. He's now experiencing great loss. But the thing that defines that is who helps you interpret that great loss in a way that 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 is additive to you and helps you reframe perspective, which you guys have both said in different ways today. He's not going to get that through his father. He's not going to get that through Penny Hardaway. He can't get it at Memphis anymore. But if he's able to find a mentor or someone who really could be respected by him and could help him see this, it is the one thing that, in, and the only thing that would be able to salvage this. But if he stays at Memphis another year, done. And I will love to look back on this and just smile because Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo would have been one of those people that could have helped communicate that, that break, that great loss break in a way that could have been added. In for, he'd for be off this team by now. He, he would have been coming off the bench. He'd be, he'd be gone. Yeah. Also like let's, you know, because there's there's a question about truly from the most idiotic and depraved corners about like would he transfer to MSU? I, I well, first of all, no, we would not welcome. But second, even if he was, let's be very clear that you need to run that by Jaden Akins first. There it if is. Jayden, if Jaden Akins doesn't say okay, then I say away. Nah. Because he got run off Bates fundamentals, so. Yep. Um, anyway, let's move on to the next question. Oh, God. <laughs> Listener Mike Jones asks, uh, Mr. Jones, as in uh, R. Michael here on the pod, uh, do you plan on, on starting a fake high school for your little one when they get to high school so that they can excel in sports? Will you call it Jones Fundamentals? <laughs> Look, the threshold is, I'm going to be honest. Were they on the cover of Sports Illustrated? I I will give Elgin Bates this. I think he made colossal mistakes that I've that any of us can learn from. But his kid was at Ipsy when it like Ipsy High School when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. He hadn't created the Bates fundamentals or or uh, Ipsy. Prep, I think, is what it ended up yeah. being called. Like that hadn't happened yet, and so I can at least empathize. I think he was a moron, but empathize with the notion of what do you do when you think you might have what people are saying is a generational talent on your hands. But but also, how much of this is a reaction to that reality versus a creation of that reality? Which is to say, Elgin Bates, Bates had to have done a lot of the legwork to get that spotlight for his son, whether it Ipsy or not, you know, and that, that, that is inculcated. That's, that's fostered. That's facilitated. That's on Bates. Let me be very clear. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. I somehow I have doubts about my son's athletic prowess, but don't say that. Don't say that, Michael. He'll be very talented in other things. He could be a great curler. Maybe he's his grandfather's son. (laughs) What does that even mean? Well, he's like my, ho- my father's way more athletic. Yeah, than I hopefully am. all of that skips a generation. That's his only <laughs> yeah. chance. Uh, but but even still, my point is is that like no matter no matter what your kid's talented at, 
that there comes a point in time where you can't be the coach all the time. Yeah. And, you and I think that's some control. That's, that is Elgin Bates's mistake here. And you need to know when to give up some control and you need to know. And it should have been a, a, considering how talented your kid was, is whatever, like it should have been a while ago. There's a point in time where you should have said, well, shit, he's better than I was like, or, or has the potential to be better than I was like, Maybe we should call someone else because I, as a dad, shouldn't be coaching. Like dad and coach shouldn't coexist. And that, and that is, that's I mean, the they piece can when there are no stakes, but there were stakes here. No, no. And that's my point is yeah. that, yes, though, like that, that puts a tension on your relationship, which inevitably plays into your, your, your personhood development, right? Like it, <laughs> he should have read the room. You we'll should be like, I need to step away and just be a dad for a minute. We'll see how this progresses. We had this conversation at the time. We're well on the well established on the record of questioning these these decisions as they were made. And I'm I'm proud of that. And I stand by that. All Next right. Up. From Go ahead. listener Mike Jones, uh, where in the Mount Rushmore of hated college players does Brad Davison rank? Aaron Kraft, Grayson Allen, Mo Wagner. Brad Davison, did I miss anyone? Um, uh, yeah, JJ Redick. <laughs> Going way back. How about Chris Kramer? Anyone hated Chris Kramer? I despised Chris Kramer. Purdue um, from mm. 2006, 2010. One of my all-time favorite, least favorite players of all time. So you know, um, Grayson Allen is disgusting. Uh, he he looks disgusting. He has that sociopathic face. I'll tell you one of the things that makes Brad Davison so reprehensible, and I remember this from uh, refereeing. If you had a player come up to you before and during games who was overly friendly, overly chatty, asking questions, trying to be your buddy, it was just a, the telltale manipulation. Any normal player doesn't talk to the referees. Talks to the referees if they have a quick question on an interpretation or a rules issue, maybe friendly like at a dead ball thing, just like a very, very quickly. Brad Davison goes out of his way to talk to the referees at dead balls, out of his way to talk to referees before the game at halftime. Overly familiar, touching the players. All of that is manipulation, and it's all because he is a sociopath. And you saw this throughout the game, throwing his legs at Gabe Brown in, in just in unnatural movements, unnatural motions. But it's all designed. If you are friendly enough to the referee, if you're doing these things enough, you're trying to make yourself. You're, yeah, and, and that's, he is a loathsome, loathsome individual. And if, is it Greg Gard at yeah. Wisconsin? If Greg yep. Gard had an ounce of humanity, he would have, I don't know. Uh, clubbed him in the back of the knee with something heavy before the start of the season. Did you notice? I don't know if we have a question about this plumb. I saw something out of the officials in this game, the Wisconsin game that I don't think I'd ever seen in my entire college basketball fandom before. Do you, hmm. do you know what I'm referencing? No, they didn't know who the ball went off of, and one of them. Yes, and they had to call a um a, a, a jump ball. Yeah, they just call a jump ball after like. After like the you know some back and forth of like shruggy shoulders, D- just like and eh, DJ eh. DJ Carson's in it was the crew chief on this one, and they zoomed in on him. He throws his thumbs up, and then he shakes his head like, "Oh man!" 
And you have to imagine that they got rated real low for that performance. And there are a number of reasons for that. Um, All in all, this was a game that was called two completely different ways, which tends, I guess, to be the way Big Ten basketball is called um, whenever one team goes up by more than eight points. But suffice it to say, uh, Brad Davison could have done more physical harm to our players and the gods looked down on us with favor to protect us against his wily schemes. The next one's for you from listener Mike Jones, I imagine. Uh, Host Mike Jones doesn't care, and neither do I. Anyone else excited for the World Cup qualifying this week? Couple of big matches coming up for the U.S. men's national team. We have our work cut out uh, for us um, this week, and I'll tell you this because, you know, we did not qualify for the last World Cup. Right. And uh, the U.S. men's national team is a shit show. Um, Our new coach, Greg Berhalter, has been in the position um, for not as long. He's new after the previous coach and his idiot imbecile son uh, were inept with our, um, our, uh, our qualification last time. Um, There's a we Spartan are, on the team, right? Uh, the men's national team. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not oh, sh- someone, someone got promoted to something with the Olympic, whatever. Oh, those are a call up. I don't know. I, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about a Spartan who made, it was getting going to the MLS, but, um, so yeah, we've got, um, we're second in the stack right now in CONCACAF behind Canada, which is good. Um, for us, we typically do well against Canada, but we host El Salvador on Thursday. Um, and then we take on Canada, um, a week from today, next Sunday. Um, so this round of qualifying ends uh, right after that. So these will be the last two games for this round of qualifying. So we need these wins. Um, El Salvador is not going to be a cakewalk. Canada should be easier for us, but they're good. This They're good right now. All right. That's enough soccer. Okay. Next question from Scott Nolan. Uh, what's First the latest? Time? Maybe. Maybe. Thanks, Scott. Scott, welcome. Um, what's the latest on the transfer portal for MSU? We kind of covered that previously. Uh, Scott, just keep watching. Roll it back. Keep, but yes, there are rumors from an area that mel tucker knows just just keep watching yeah uh next up from elon bloom how far up in the pantheon of spartan cagers will Jaden aiken climb aiken's climb i'm like a Uh, color commentator right now he's got the potential to go pretty high yeah his measurables make me think that maybe we get three out of him yeah yeah that sounds right so i mean dude has a lot of shannon brown to him yeah we'll see how his role develops on this team i mean i'm very interested to see that i i I, yeah testament to him that like he came in big in that wisconsin game like i mean if you start seeing a little bit more of that and i'm not talking 10 points plus a game but like if you start seeing a little bit more of that it's going to be a lot of fun next year. The problem is if he starts stealing some of Gay Brown's shine, that protector guy's not going to like that. Mm. Uh, next up from Elon Bloom, uh, where would you put the odds of Drew Valentine replacing Izzo? Drew Valentine, I believe Loyola Chicago, doing all right this season. Yeah, let's. That's my let's, understanding. I mean, let's see how he recruits. Like, it, I have a hard time. I don't know when Tom is going to retire. Like, and unless there is a suicide pack with uh, Dwayne Stevens, you know, a joint retirement pact, I don't see how he doesn't 
take over this program. I, th- and I'm not saying it's right. In fact, I'm saying it's wrong, but I'm, I don't see how it doesn't happen. Uh, Loyola Chicago currently 14 and three. Um, next up for me, Ellen Bloom. Uh, it seems we have so many players capable of breaking out any given game. Will we see them all play to their full potential in a single game? Well, I would say no. there's just not enough possessions for that. You know, um, it's as, you yeah, know, if you can, if you can ten palm this out to a hundred possessions, maybe, but uh, that, we I mean, getting... there, were, there were 70 possessions in the Wisconsin game when we scored 86 points. I'm not really sure. I mean, my God, how many? Yeah, that's a wow. Yeah, I mean, add 30 more possessions and maybe Gabe Brown gets hot, right? Like, but that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Correct. I just uh, there there are too many dudes who can get a bucket. Yeah. And and that's a good thing. Except for Hauser. (laughs) Uh, Unless it's from the charity. There it is. He was three for four. Next up from Nate C. So the answer was next week, eh? Yeah, it turned out. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Didn't uh, expect it, but it was. Uh, next from Nate C. When we see the floor again, how mad will Twitter be? Very. <laughs> like, I, well, Nate C., I will say that uh, when we see the floor again, like if, if you see if you see the lapses on defense that we were seeing, I I would be bothered by that again that that's or 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 the the lapses on rebounding like if you see core tenants of what Izzo coaches into a team disappearing again that that would bother me uh next up from john hubbard as both of my co-hosts are in other devices uh what would you rather see happen harbaugh go to the nfl which would start u of m on yet another rebuild or harbaugh stay and potentially build on the success they had this year um you guys are both the worst (laughs) i'm trying to bring up a a external question that came in from another source uh that i was going to read here um but i don't particularly care what happens with harbaugh uh i think he's gonna stay i don't think there's actually any interest from mnfl teams i think this is all entirely generated by him and his pr team and he's sort of like nodded and winked at that you know, and the various media events that he's done. Um, you know, my my brother is a Michigan fan and uh, an alum. Um, he is. He was sharing with me yesterday that Harbaugh, the, whoever the owner is of the Las Vegas Raiders, I don't know the person's name. I don't know anything about the NFL. His that person's father's name was Al something and gave Harbaugh his first big op- opportunity. And so there's a lot of love between yeah. them. Harbaugh has a lot of history at the Raiders. The, That's the, true. The interim at the Raiders right now has obviously got them, you know, in the playoffs or whatever. So there's that and, or had gotten them somewhere. So that's all great and good and you know, hard to make the case. But certainly if, you know, certainly there could be a there there. Uh, and by the counterpoint to that, Harbaugh's like right down the block from his parents uh, in terms of where they live. His kids are at the same high school he grew up going to. You know, there's a lot of quality of life stuff that, you know, a normal human would look at and go, that's why I'm not going anywhere. Um, Harbaugh is distinctively not a normal human being. So you see this picture of him doing squats. Yeah, he's uh, he is a Goomba for sure. Yeah. The next up from John Hubbard, uh, one month post football. Where does Kenneth Walker stand in your all time MSU rankings? He has he supplanted Drew Stanton. 
Consider that Walker actually made a positive impact on the program, beat Michigan, and led MSU to double-digit win seasons. Well, if Drew hadn't been hurt. I think, John, you seem to have a lot to say about a man that gave his being to MSU. He had his helmet caved in in a Big Ten game. And I think you should have some respect for the man. But I'll I'll just level here. Kenneth Walker is the most exciting player I've seen at Michigan State ever. Yeah, during our time. During our time, for sure. Like, I mean, so... If he had been able... I mean... Yeah. You you regret that he didn't have more than one season. One... one, I... love and adore Kenneth Walker. And... I wish we had him for more than one season. Oh, I wish we had him forever. <laughs> but I, just, my point to that is, he he was here for one season. I think that dismin that that diminishes doesn't dismiss diminishes some of the legacy. Is sure. a Spartan was a Spartan will always be a Spartan. Four year guys that are for, here for four years, you know, program guys. I mean, yes, he outsized impact. I just sure. Yeah. The the similarity would be like a one and done basketball player, like and that's a JJJ it. or something. Like and that's, that. it. that's I, it. I will say that there's something about Kenneth Walker's personality that that sort of elevate. Just I, yep. I I totally agree what you're saying. Yep. But there's something yep. about the humility of that that kid that like, yep. I mean, is is so endearing. Yep. That that it. it yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, we. I mean, shit, we didn't offer him, like, out of high school. I mean, he was a two-star. Yep. But it is hands down, I, I cannot say this enough, like, is the most special player I've ever seen play at Michigan State in my time as a fan. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think in my all-time rankings, like, I got to be honest. But they're not all-time rankings. They're your time rankings. And that's fair to put him number one. Yes. Um, Bring, 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 bring. Special uh, Twitter questioner coming in from off of the outline. Uh, Plum's assertion that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Stephen Sondheim don't have a characteristic and recognizable sound to their musicals is maybe the most ridiculous thing anyone has ever said. He clearly has not listened to enough of either of their musicals. And also... While the songs of Encanto clearly have many of Lin-Manuel Miranda's signature musical elements to them, it is absolutely notably distinct from his other works. Perhaps instead of assuming that all of Miranda's music sounds exactly the same, maybe Plum should be considering that he hasn't listened to enough Latin music or hip-hop. Signed, a former choir teacher. Can I can I just really interject very quickly? No one I, invited you to this conversation. Mike I've Jones. spent more time on Encanto, and uh, we don't talk about Bruno is the answer to best song in that in that movie. But uh, it is it is a great song. I our Sawyer first get off your high horse. No one loves that much. Uh, no one loves it that much. Um, this is not from our Sawyer. No, impossible. Impossible. Uh, all of the songs in Encanto are bangers. All of them. Uh, I will That's say not that the purpose. Remove yourself from this conversation, Mike Jones. This is to plump. I, can't, I can't. I'm a host. 
I will say, uh, yeah, like like ninety seven percent of my takes, uh, they don't generally withstand the test of time. <laughs> Or um, scrutiny, any, any kind of scrutiny, whatsoever. Or, or, or most scrutiny. Uh, I will withdraw my comments about Andrew Lloyd Webber and others not having distinctive sounds. I think, and I don't know why yet. I'm annoyed by Lynn Manuel Miranda. Partly, it could be the fact that uh, the, the guy can't. I'm going to just continue to dig myself into this one. That the guy can't really sing yet. He always casts himself in the musicals that he writes. Um, was he in Canto? No, but I mean, like in the height. No, in the heights in Hamilton. 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 Just say it over absolute, and over and over. He absolutely should not have been singing the title roles. There's just, it's not. That's he. Listen, I'm just saying, Andrew Lloyd Webber was not singing the title roles in any of his. The guy wasn't tone deaf. So. I'm not saying that Lin Manuel is, but I'm saying like he could have. And Lin Manuel, you know, there's something to be said. So I, mean, I don't know what it is that I don't like about Lin Manuel Miranda. It is clearly personal. It is clearly obnoxious. It is not based in science or fact, uh, but it is based in my idiot take. And I'm going to continue to wow. to rest. I want to remind people fold by that, by Alex Flo on this. And I will I will totally say that considering you said uh, Marcus Bingham lost the tip, we're lost. This is still your worst take. Uh, all right, let's move on. Garbert's up next. Prop bet of the week. Bench points against Illinois versus MSU wins this season. Over under set at 29 and a half. Uh, I'm going to go over on the bench points. And under on the wins, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. you gotta go under. I'm trying to like do the math of how many games are gonna be played minus like the Big Ten winner is gonna have six losses, seven how losses. Long, how long are they going in the tournament though? Um, I I mean I I don't know. Um, I I'm gonna guess over on points, under on because if if you had seven conference losses, this game would this team would end up at like 22 and then you under under, under. I'm going to go the opposite. I think the uh, starters find themselves uh, this week. We're uh, under on bench points and we go over and wins for the season. I want to remind run. you that, uh, that uh, Joey Hauser is a starter. Um, <laughs> next up uh, from Garbert. Is this the best defensive backcourt you remember at MSU? If it isn't, which one is better? Gary Harris and Keith Appling were pretty good, but I feel like the squad has more defensive depth at the guard spots. I mean, are we going back to Travis Bolton time as well? Are we going back to Eric Snow? I mean, it's easy to come away from the Wisconsin game and say, oh, A.J. Hogard put, um, put some folks in a body bag, but like Walker's been good, but I, I, I mean, I, I'm very me, call impressed. Me, call me next year. Call me I'm next very year. impressed by what Max Christie has done, but Garv, I'm not ready to put them in that in that register yet. If you got Walker and Christie next year, maybe, maybe. Um, next up from Garv, do you think Hall can take over like he did against Wisconsin if he has Wall guarding him instead of Carlson slash Gilmore? I mean, it's an entirely different gig, but I think of Wall as more of an offensive player than a defensive player. Yeah, and. To, to, I think, I think John said this. Like, 
he's got a he's got a bucket right now on that move. Like I don't I don't know that Wall changes that substantially. It that Malik Hall has not had when Malik Hall chooses to to try and score, that's not been a problem for him. It's the question of does Malik Hall choose to try and score? And that that seems like the difference between whether he fills up the stat sheet or not. Mm-hmm. It's it like you don't see Malik Hall going oh for seven. It's did he go one for three or did he fill the bucket up? Right. So mm. um next up, my maple leaf. Yeah. Rounding at the lower end of the podcast genre listenership is scripted drama. Who does that? Just a couple of percentage points below points lower than scripted comedy. Also, who does that? Uh, in your editing process, which co-hosts ad libs are automatically removed without any further discussion? Co-hosts? I mean, it would be a co-host <laughs> if if we were going back and removing anything. I would take the the Mike Jones part of the waveform could be could be cut back a little bit. I that's think. that's fair. That's yeah. fair. That's true. Uh, next up from Amopolis, uh, oh my God, keeping with this theme, comedic podcasts are the number one listener's choice. What is the funniest moments you remember in creating can't read, can't write pods? Greg, I'm going to actually turn that back to you. I don't know. I don't know. When's the last time we had a real home dinger? I think most of them happened before we record. Yeah, I would. That's that is absolutely right. Uh, I will say that in reflecting, because uh, in the group text, we were really going back and forth on some of the what would have made good uh, not a sponsor segments. And mm. you kind of had tipped it this week too, Jones, but we would get ourselves going on those pretty well. Yeah. And finally, from the Mamopolis, do you consider Can't Read, Can't Write episodic podcast or standalone? Wondering if I should go back to the beginning and get reacquainted with the 2019 personas in order to better understand the predictability of rants and raves. I mean, those were the true halcyon days before we were bogged down by listener guests and and, and other unnecessary, uh, you know, hangers Fame on. Fame and fortune. Um <laughs> yeah uh just it's just me singing the songs i've written for the podcast i really should be giving it up to someone better i i mean it is a problem we we have there's nothing evergreen about this podcast nope absolutely nothing evergreen about this podcast. do not go back and listen yeah <laughs> do not though honestly if anyone does I'm curious about your journey and what you consume to be able to do that. Speaking of your journey, next question from Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Did your dad or mom give you the talk? <laughs> Whose parents or in-laws don't listen to this? Plum, answer the question. Did dad. your folks give you the talk? Uh, how was that? Fine. I, they gave me a book first. <laughs> did, it, did it have? It had pictures, but they weren't graphic. You know, uh, my parents did, are cowards and they had a member of the community give me the talk. Did he give you they the had, talk in his van? They had another parent give me the talk. <laughs> and if my parents are listening, they'll know that they are cowards. <laughs> I, I'm truly this. overjoyed that I learned this about you. Yeah. <laughs> and this this poor person who will remain nameless was obviously just like, well, I have to. And just like, did not 
very clearly did not give me the same talk that he would have given his son or daughter. So, um, it was, uh, I can't imagine what that conversation must have looked like. I've been like, I don't want to give Kevin the talk. Why would you be willing to give Kevin? I cannot even imagine what that would have looked like. Uh, next up, perfect question. Do you take question. you to the playground near your house? Uh, yes. Yeah. And mom was happy about that. Mom didn't care how it happened, just that it did. Uh, next question from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. When does Grooch get fired? Well, Plum would have to not be late. <laughs> There's, I mean, the 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 moment that I am relied upon in this podcast is the day I'm gone. Gone. Uh, this is color commentary at its best, and it's often much less than that. Um, uh, also, Greg does the editing, so that's a problem. He's not. I mean, my God. They have to put up with me. I, I know how to work. Uh, the computer. A, a computer. Uh, and then finally, from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, when does Mr. Neurotic Pants get a shot on the show? Well, he People gets a spot on the podcast for Twitter questions. So that's <laughs> every week. Brings in our best work. Uh, to that point, Mr. Neurotic Pants asks, was Alex a well-regarded homicide detective or was he fired for being too cynical? Uh, my agreement with the police benefactors union at uh, the end of my uh, detective career, uh, this allows me from being able to speak in any detail about how my career came to an end. Uh, but let's just maybe, say it could have been, it could have been better. Maybe you can answer this. Do refs study film before games? That was Absolutely. the next question. Absolutely. That, that was literally the next question. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. They. Uh, yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah. I mean, at the levels where film is available. Honestly. So let me ask you this. How is Brad Davison not ejected from the Big Ten? Yeah, that's right. Um, because we, we all saw him try and uh, actually hurt Gabe Brown, right? Yep. So I would be surprised. I mean, he has a reputation like there are YouTube, you know, like anthologies compilations of the absurdity that he has so like you you the referees in the big 10 have to know like that's i mean every every referee knows who to look for in teams even if you just look at the summary of like fouls and yellow i was surprised they called two flops on them that was at cole um yeah just like i I didn't know that was uh is that just one shot like a you get a you get a warning and then it's technical. No, 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 yeah, no but it's one. But it's one. It's one shot when the call's made. It is only one. So it's a, it's like a team technical kind of thing. It's not yes. a player technical. No, it's yes. a player tech, isn't it? Oh, I don't know because it was called on the same person, so I don't know. Because yeah. I saw him do the signal to give the warning, and then all of a sudden Brown was shooting. But uh, he only made one. That's why I was like, did he only shoot one? Or yeah, he, he only, only shot one. one. Yeah, he only shoots one. Um. But it's uh, anyway, I'm surprised that Davison gets away with as much shit as he does. Well, you had stepped away, I think, when I was telling Greg earlier, part of it is he manipulates referees by talking to them, by being very obsequious, by being very genial, touching their lower back, talking to them in all stoppages. I mean, that's something you do to manipulate those guys. A little little gooch scooch. A little gooch scooch. Grooch, gooch, scooch. Uh, All right. Last up for Mr. Neurotic Pants. This week. Becky D'Antonio cringes as Mark D'Antonio continues to introduce himself as head coach of Michigan State football. 
Things come to a head when Becky sees a pile of bumper stickers that read <laughs> <laughs> that read Mark coming. <laughs> Later that evening over drinks, Izzo laments his turnover woes. These barn rats are wheeling their cheese into the gosh darned mouse hole and the grocer won't cotton the light basket. Oh my god. <laughs> It's just a descent Tru- into madness. <laughs> Truly, Mr. Hogpants, Pants, this is your best one yet. Uh, by a lot. Mark <laughs> I do need one of those bumper stickers. So, Mr. Hogpants, Pants, we gotta, we gotta get those. Um, gentlemen, it's been a solid podcast. Big thank you to Indeed. Mr. Kirby of The Only Colors. When you're yeah. there clicking on uh, on his podcast, do like and subscribe this one as well um jonesy anything you want to no i'm looking at the time we got to get out of here yeah uh, Bye. go green go white go white you guys go white <laughs>